this is a constant effort of being in touch with them and making them understand the asset class and having a trust in what you do. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the best ever conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Pancham Gupta, how you doing, Pancham? I'm doing great, Joe. How you doing? I am doing great as well. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Pancham. He is a principal of Misos Capital. He has bought and invested in properties in five different states and internationally. He recently quit his high-paying job in fintech to do syndications full-time. He successfully built a portfolio which is cash flowing in double digits, manages and controls over $32 million in real estate based in New York City, New York. With that being said, Pancham, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Thanks, Joe, for having me on. I came to the U.S. in 2003 for my master's in computer science, and it was not until 2012 when I decided to invest in real estate here in the U.S. So I bought my few investment properties here in New York before I actually bought my own house, and they were all single-family homes. And over the next few years, I ended up buying properties in five different states. Again, these were single-family homes, duplexes, triplexes, and I was doing all this part-time where my main focus was the job and I was spending more time managing these rental properties. Slowly, I realized that this strategy was not scalable at all. And I started looking into bigger multifamily deals. Syndication seemed like the way to go. And it was not until 2017 when we bought our first syndicated property. Since then, we have done four syndications all the way from $2 million to $19 million. Did you say 90 or 9? $19 million. 19, so $2 okay. Million to 19. Okay, none yes. of the above, Joe. 19. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, 2 exactly. million to 19 million. Got it. Okay. Right. And now I've quit my full-time job, like you mentioned, and I'm focusing full-time on the syndication business and also doing a podcast to educate high-paid engineers about personal finance. You bought in five different states. Why is that? There is a story behind that. So I live in New York. It's not the cheapest city in the world. Every house here, property was, if you, it's in a decent location, was somewhere half a million dollars to a million dollars. And they were cash flowing nice when I bought them in 2012 and 13. But after that day, they were not really cash flowing that well. 
So I started looking out of state for investing opportunities in the areas which were still growing and the price point was not that high. So slowly from one state to the second state to the third state, it kind of mushroomed into five states. Uh, Since then, I've sold most of my portfolio and focusing full time just on the syndications and bigger deals. Your first syndication was a $2 million property, correct? That is right. And it was in Charlotte. It was a 44-unit deal. Okay. And how much money did you raise for that? For that, we raised exactly $781,000 from friends and family. And who's we? I think you said we. So it's uh, me and my partner, one of my partners, who we both together have Misos Capital. And we both raised from our friends and family. Okay, so friends and family, $781,000. How much did the investor who invested the most bring of the seven eighty one? Our highest investor was one individual. He invested $100,000. I was about to say his name. <laughs> we don't need to know his name. He, he would get a lot of emails and phone calls if he said Okay, $100,000. So it was pretty spread out, I imagine, then. There wasn't a three hundred, $400,000, $500,000 investor in it. No, it was that guy and both of us invested close to 100000 as well. Each? Each, yes. Okay. So uh, 300 was just like that. And 481 we raised from other individuals, anywhere ranging from 50, 75, and 100,000 each from these guys. How many of the individuals are family compared to friends? I would say one is family and rest all are friends who are like family. Yep. <laughs> and how do you know those friends who are like family? Tracing back to what's the origin of how you met? So either they're my former classmates or former colleagues at this point. Met them in school and at my full-time job and same thing for my partner as well. Okay, got it. So you either went to college with them or you worked with them at your full-time job and you were making approximately how much at your full-time job just to get an idea of the type of people you were working with? All of these are high net worth individuals. It's uh, north of half a million dollars. A year? Yes. Okay. So they were making a lot of money a year and you were talking to them about it. So people who hear that might think, well, well, no wonder Poncham had such an easy job raising the money. These around people who are making 500K plus a year. What is your response to that? My response would be that you can meet high net worth individuals anywhere. And for me, you know, I'm first of all, very grateful having friends and family making high incomes. And I would kind of agree to part of that question where it is easier knowing those people, but for a person to write a check of 100,000 or 50,000 or 75,000 to you in order to invest in your deal, you need to add value into their portfolio in some way or the another, right? They need to first trust you and then they need to see the value that you're bringing to the table and how you're actually solving their problem, which is they have too much money to invest, but not have either time, energy or motivation to learn about investing outside of the Wall Street into different products. And you're bringing that to the table and you have to educate them, spend time with them to really make them understand the value 
that they will get out of investing in these deals. So you have to do all that upfront and really make them understand. So yes, it is easier than talking to a person who's making, let's say $50,000 a year versus a person who's making half a million dollars a year. They definitely have spare more spare cash than the other person. So that's what I would say that regardless of how much money they were making, you still have to go through the process of educating them and really creating that trust with those guys. And I would even argue that it's going to be just as challenging, if not more challenging, speaking to someone who has earned over half a million a year about a new investment opportunity that they might not have invested in before because they're constantly being pulled in different directions to invest in certain stuff. So their guards up a lot more than someone who isn't at that level of income. Maybe they're at two fifty or 300000 and they don't have a job on Wall Street. So the perception isn't that they have buckets of money, so they're not bombarded with a bunch of opportunities. So what are some tips for people that you can share who are speaking to individuals who are the half a million plus earners when communicating to them about the opportunities or even your business? I would say that you hit on this a little bit, like these guys are constantly getting bombarded by different kinds of opportunities. So if I have to give advice to someone who is starting off, I would say first creating trust between an individual who's making half a million dollars and what you bring to the table. They have to hear from you more. They have to really understand the asset class that they are investing in and also what kind of risk and reward profile that they would have to bear with this asset class. So this is a constant effort of being in touch with them and making them understand the asset class and having a trust in what you do. And the way we have done this is by constant one-on-one conversations with these guys, meeting them for a coffee, really telling them about what we are doing on constant basis. There are investors that who have spoken to for last at least three years, and it's only now they want to invest in our next deal, then they have not even invested yet. Mm-hmm. So it, it has taken us three years for some of these guys to actually finally realize what we bring to the table and trust us that they can rely on that we're not going to just run away with the money and actually really give our return and do what we promise. Mm-hmm. And what about the thought that, okay, it's having the time with these individuals, it's sitting down with them, but that's not scalable. What's your response to that thought process? I would say that is absolutely correct in a way. My response is that it takes time. And for us, what we've done is now we've created a newsletter that trying to send out on a constant basis. And we get a lot of word of mouth business where people recommend their friends and they talk to us and we like it that way as well. And then we also partner up with other people who have these connections across the board and with high net worth individuals and they bring on their network to bring on to our deals to invest. So for me, I would say 
it's one-on-one conversations and meeting people physically, it would create the most trust. And that's how I would go about investing my own money. And that's how I've gone about treating everyone who has invested in our deals to create that relationship and trust. Let's talk about the next deal. The first one was a 44 unit in Charlotte. What about the next one? The next one was a 76 unit again in Charlotte. That was a 99 built class B property, $4.56 million deal. Again, very close to this first deal that we had. And by the way, the first deal that we bought, we just sold it a few days ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. You bought it for two. What'd you sell it for? We sold it for $3 million. Three. How much did you put into it? So out of 781400 was equity and uh, we put in about $250,000. Okay. We redid the roofs. We did a lot of structure work. There were issues with the structure. We built out trenches. There was a lot of infrastructure work that was bad with this property that we fixed and also some um, units that we upgraded and we sold it for three. Excellent. So you bought it for two and sorry, how much money did you put into it about? I'm just trying to figure out the profit. Yeah, $250,000. Okay, so $750,000 profit in just two years. Yeah, it's about 23 months in less than a little less than two years. And um, 750 actually includes broker commission and some of the closing costs. So I would say 650,000. Wow, congratulations on that. Uh, So the second deal, how much? What was the purchase price? 4.56 million. And where was that? That was in Charlotte, MSA as well. But this was a class B property. The our previous property was class C. This was a class B. How many units? 76. 76. What about the third property? Our third property was 28 units. That again was in Charlotte, very close to our 44 unit property. Okay. And purchase price? About 2 million as well. Okay. And what about the fourth? I'm guessing that's the 19 million. Yes, that's a 19 million. (laughs) Okay, unit size? 242 in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, in Jacksonville. So I think we all noticed a trend except for the fourth. You went to Jacksonville from Charlotte, North Carolina. So why Jacksonville? I was, like I mentioned before, that I recently quit my job. So we were very focused on Charlotte before because we were not able to spend enough time. We wanted a market which was very close to New York City and Charlotte was one of them. So since I wanted to quit my job, I wanted to expand into more markets. And we had Jacksonville as one of the markets that we wanted to expand to because it met all the criteria that we're looking in a city to invest in. And it just happens to be that we came across this deal and one of our partners on this deal bought this deal to us. She actually is part of our mastermind here in New York City that I run. And that's how we got connected and we partnered together on this deal and recently closed on it a month and a half ago. On the 28 unit, you bought 44 units, then you bought 76 units. What made you want to go down in unit size to 28 units? That was mainly more of a strategic decision because that was only a mile from a 44 unit property. And we wanted to kind of scale the operations with this 28. 
but it did not pan out that way. We actually sold that property as well to one of our partners who bought it off market from us. And since we were planning on selling our 44 unit as well, so we kind of sold both of them. And at this point, we don't want to go anything below 75 or so units for any of our acquisition. But, you know, it's a good question. We probably wouldn't do that small of a deal uh, if it wasn't close to our 44 unit property. And what are some disadvantages of doing, as you say, that small of a deal? Our biggest disadvantage is the economies of scale. So if you have a smaller property, you still need a leasing agent on site, especially if you're not local. And if you have a 28 unit versus a 44 unit versus a 76 unit or a 100 unit, you probably need one leasing agent per 90 or 100 units. So the expenses, overall expenses, fixed expenses that you have kind of go much higher on a smaller unit property as computer or bigger property. So we have realized that over time and that's why we have gone towards higher and higher number of units. And that's the trend that everyone kind of follows once they start investing from single family to duplexes to triplexes to bigger properties. On the execution of the business plan, what's been one thing that hasn't gone according to plan and how'd you resolve it or attempt to resolve it? So we had one major issue with our 44 unit property where we had structural issue with one of the buildings where in the crawl spaces, some of the joists were completely rotted out and there was one side of the building was also bent. I say that quite lightly, but there was a huge bend in that. We knew this while going in and we actually raised capital to fix this. We had $50,000 raise. Just for this, fix this problem, we got some estimates before that, and it ended up costing us $102,000. So almost 100% more than what we estimated. So we were okay with this cost because we had raised a little bit extra upfront anyway, because it was our first syndicated deal. But our lesson was that whenever you have any issue or you're raising capital, always try to raise a little bit more than what you have anticipated because there are things that come up and that's the nature of this business. We know people who have bought this thing to science where they know exactly how much they will spend on every single unit and every single issue that they encounter during due diligence, but we have not reached that stage yet. So we raise a little bit extra capital always to make sure that we are covered. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice is to go where the growth is. The areas which are growing in overall jobs, in population, job diversity. We look at the areas where millennials are moving in, where builders are developing. Because even if there is a downturn, that area will be the last one to see the impact and the first one to come out of it. And how do you determine that they qualifies? There are a lot of free reports and public census.gov and different free resources that you can go online and get this data from and historic data from. And also there is a local paid research that you can buy from different agencies to get this data. So we do both to get and look at this data and see if it qualifies all the things that we have on our checklist. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? 
Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference BEC20.com. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com. Best ever book you've recently read? The recent one that I really liked was Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. It really taught about what kind of mindset you need to become a professional. Since I was quitting my job, this book really, really hit home everything that I was thinking through and helped me quit my job. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already? It's not vetting out the PM company beforehand. So I had a duplex in Cleveland, Ohio, where this PM was charging a lot of money for rehabs and turnarounds. And I lost a lot of money over there. I changed the company a few times, but it still didn't work out. I ended up selling that property and made some money on selling it because the market was going up. But my worst deal and my biggest mistake is not vetting out the PM company before actually hiring them properly. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? I would say one of the deals in Cleveland also. It's a single family house where I lost very little money, but that's the most I lost. And how much? About $1,000. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? I'd say two ways. One, I have contributed to LLS, which is a Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They raise money for cancer research. My grandmother and two of my aunts passed away because of cancer. So I do events. I've done events in the past and raised funds for them. So that's one. And second, I've started educating people on personal finance. I've started a podcast to educate high-paid professionals, especially the software engineers, on how to convert their high incomes into long-term wealth. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can email me at p, as in Paul, at the rate thegoldcollarinvestor.com. I repeat, thegoldcollarinvestor.com. That's the name of my podcast as well. They can connect me on LinkedIn. I'm there as well. Pancham, thank you so much for talking about how to speak to accredited investors, how to approach those conversations, how you're in it for the long game, how you've had some conversations with people. It's been three years and they haven't invested yet. But they're starting to show interest. And in the meantime, you're doing your thing. You're building your business. And again, you're just focused on the long-term relationships versus the transactional approach where you're trying to rush things and getting frustrated because certain relationships aren't bearing fruit. Thanks for talking about the pros and cons of the types of deals that you've bought. 28 units, a smaller deal. And congratulations on the recent sale of your first deal, the 44 units. So thanks for being on the show Hope you have the best ever day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe, for having me on. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.